Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast, even when there's no Old Testament in the lectionary. (laughs) I'm Tim McNich. And I'm Rachel Wren. This Easter season, since the Revised Common Lectionary swaps in readings from Acts in place of the Old Testament readings, (coughs) cop out, (coughs) what we are doing (laughs) is a bit of a series looking at the Old Testament background to the New Testament reading which this week is Luke 24, 36b through 48, to be very specific. So Tim has us covered here. So what do you want to do, Tim? How do you want to go? Well, at first glance, this passage, which is the gospel reading for the week, would seem to be a slam dunk for finding the Old Testament background because, well, it's basically handed to us on a platter. (laughs) This is a a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus in Jerusalem among his followers, And as they struggle to understand what's happening, Jesus tells them, starting in verse 44, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law from Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Bam! It's all right there. It's the traditional three parts, Torah, prophets, even the Ketuvim, even the writings represented by the Psalms. Yep. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Verse 46, he said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. That's all from the common English Bible, by the way. So here in Luke, Jesus himself is talking about what has happened to him as a playing out of what's written in the Bible, which would be our Old Testament. Yeah, it's so awesome. Jesus is literally resurrected from the dead. And the first thing he does is go to Disney World. Wait, sorry. The first thing he does is have a Bible study with his friends. (laughs) I know, I know. I mean, what would it have been like to have Jesus as your Bible study leader? Oh, amazing. (laughs) So Jesus is making my job pretty easy this week. All I have to do to elucidate the Old Testament background of this text is look up the passages that Jesus quotes and show them to y'all, and then you can footnote them in your sermons. Just one problem there. Can you catch it, Rachel? Um, Well, when you frame it that way, uh, Jesus doesn't actually quote any specific Old Testament passages. He just... He just quotes the entire Bible. Am I missing something or is that it? <laughs> That's exactly right. Jesus doesn't say, or at least Luke doesn't supply, any exact scripture reference where it says that the Messiah will die and be resurrected. Instead, Jesus says that this is what the whole scriptures, Torah, prophets, and Psalms say about him. And we have a word for that kind of thing. Jesus isn't quoting here. He isn't proof texting. What's he doing? Um, Is he interpreting? Brilliant. I knew I brought you here for a reason. (laughs) And there's, there's, there's a great little idiom here that helps us see this. In verse 45, the narrator says, He opened their mind for understanding the scriptures. How about that? A little Greek work here. Look at that. That phrase, opened their mind, is sometimes taken to mean that, you know, they were all like stupid and then Jesus flipped some sort of supernatural switch and the light bulbs came on. Ding! But actually the little idiom to open someone's mind for understanding means to explain something on a deep level, to open up its meaning. 
So Jesus isn't like zapping them here. He's teaching them. He's explaining. He's interpreting the scriptures for them. So this brings us to a preaching pitfall. It has been done. In fact, I'm almost certain I've done it. That when preaching this text, we point back to like Isaiah 53 or Hosea 6.2 and say, uh, see, Jesus says here that he fulfilled these predictions about the Messiah dying and rising again. And I would actually invite you not to do that because at least as we have it in this text here, Jesus didn't do that. When it comes to the suffering and resurrection of the Messiah and the preaching of good news to the whole world, Jesus, it seems, was a big picture theologian. Hmm. He knew his Bible and drew together many texts to create a sort of synthesized picture of what it meant to be God's anointed one. Ah, that's really nice. You know, I think we could say that Jesus was a, a, a precursor to the first reading podcast of of showing <laughs> the way taking seriously the Old Testament text uh, leads one in a faithful way to Jesus. Um, but that's not the only way Jesus works with Scripture, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I shouldn't get too dogmatic about this because in other places in the Gospels and in the New Testament overall, there are several more sort of uh, proof text driven uses of the Old Testament and even some allegorizations of Old Testament material that are pretty radical for those of us schooled in sort of straightforward exegesis. <laughs> so um, maybe this is like a pitfall on the pitfall. There are, there are lots of approaches to thinking about the Old Testament and the New Testament, <laughs> and we should engage each of those with an open and analytical mind. But in this case, at least in, in Luke 24, Jesus is taking a more interpretive approach and saying something about the scriptures as a whole. Nice. I think that's a helpful corrective that also um, just does help us keep in mind and take seriously what Jesus does here. Uh, so how would you preach this? Mm, here's what I do. This is the, the last little story in Luke before Jesus ascends and the gospel ends. All of the tense, dramatic stuff has already happened. In narrative analysis, we'd call this the denouement. Ooh, French too. Nice, as well. nice it's little French here. word there, denouement, um, <laughs> aka denouement. <laughs> that that part at the end of a good story where the loose ends get explained and the heroes head into a world changed by their adventure. This story marks the beginning of the time that we ourselves occupy, the post-resurrection world, and in that space we can do what those disciples of Jesus did. We gather together, we experience the presence of the risen Jesus, and we study the scriptures to understand the meaning of what he's done. Mm. In a sermon, I'd find a way to invite my congregation to get themselves imaginatively in that room, right among the confused crowd, and to visualize what it would have been like to have Jesus show up, not as a ghost, not as a zombie, to share a meal and open up an Old Testament Bible study. The main invitation of my sermon would be to follow Jesus' example of swimming in the texts of the Hebrew Bible in order to find our own lives implicated there, to find our calling modeled and the promise of God's presence reiterated. What I would do, I'd probably plant readers throughout the church to stand up or unmute on a Zoom and read like six or eight or 10 short passages from the Torah, the prophets, the Psalms, not as proof texts in this case, but uh, as a sort of wave 
of evocative scriptures that invite deeper reflection. Nice. And I might be professionally biased in saying this, but if the Old Testament was good enough to inspire Jesus to understand his calling in it and good enough to fill him with faith that God would vindicate and resurrect him, then the Old Testament's good enough for us too, to inspire us and strengthen our faith in God. It should be a staple of our spiritual diet. Mm. You know, I would agree with that. And I think the way the way I might nuance that is say the whole Bible should constitute a staple of our spiritual diet, not just Fine. one end or the other. Fine. <laughs> you can read the New Testament too. If you must. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. The first thing Jesus does after he's resurrected is is has an Old Testament Bible study. I'm going to use that. (laughs) Well, thanks. That was awesome, Tim. Uh, Folks, I hope you take Tim up on uh, especially that idea of of planting texts in the crowd and just sort of um, bathing the congregation in these words that that tumble around us and, and call us out into the world. It's such a great idea. Folks, hope you're enjoying this little mini-series. If you are, we would love a little share on the Book of Faces, or if you would tell a friend about us. Um, It's been great to hear feedback as well. If you have ideas of people we should talk to, or changes we should make, or just a general kind of thumbs up, or here's something you might keep in mind, we'd love to hear from you. So reach out, let us know, send us along to those who don't know us yet. And as always, happy preaching. I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Enjoy finding your space in the post-resurrection world.